Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. I want you just to turn to one verse, uh, because we'll turn to several in a moment here. But let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And I hope that our series on the kings has been challenging to you as it has been to me as I've been studying them afresh. It must be 15 years since I looked at any of this, but I've just been challenged afresh in my own heart. So Lord, help me that I don't go the way some of these kings did. Everybody said amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll just read two or three verses here, but uh, particularly... uh, thinking or laying a foundation in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Uh, I think as we share tonight on the King, we're going to look at that this scripture will become uh, much more meaningful to us. Okay, so let's do our simple fill-in. We've got a lot of material to cover and we're just trying to you know, cover one king per night. So for your intro, uh, introductory material, here's your fill-in here. All right, so the king we're going to be looking at tonight is King Uzziah, and as you'll see, he had two names. But uh, first of all, the scriptures, Second Kings chapter 14, verses 21 to 22. And then 2 Kings 15, verses 1 through to 7. And then all of 2 Chronicles chapter 26 is given over to his tragic uh, mistake here. Then Isaiah 6, verse 1 particularly. And then Zechariah chapter 14, verse 5. So these are all the the scriptures of the uh, bibliography on King Uzziah. All right, number one, the king's name is Uzziah. He's also known as Azariah, so he had two names. Uzziah and Azariah. Number two, the interpretation of his name is might of Jehovah or Jehovah has helped. Number three, he's a king over the house of Judah. Number four, at the beginning of his reign, he is as David, not as Jeroboam. Uh, Number five, the length of his reign, he's the second uh, king to uh, reign the the, uh, most years. So length of his reign was 52 years, and I'll put the references there. 2 Kings 15, verse 1 to 2, and 2 Chronicles 26, verse 3. Age at the beginning, 
16 years of age, 2 Kings, the same uh, reference as at the beginning, 16 years of age when he took the throne, just a young man, just a boy really in his teens. Uh, one of the sad things. Number seven, ancestral background or family details. Simply his father was Amaziah, his mother Jechaliah. And then number eight, we come to the character traits. We have a number of good character traits in the beginning. But at the end, we have some very, very serious, serious, uh, oh, serious problems in his life and tremendous warnings to myself always as I study these and say, Lord, you know, just help Kevin Connor to learn from these things as well as me teaching the class, but help me to learn from it. All right, now, let's pick up the character traits on the positive side. All right, number eight here, character traits, positive, good qualities and deeds. Number one. Uh, we're told in Second Chronicles, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord as Amaziah his father did. So like father, like son, his father was a godly king. And at the beginning of Uzziah's reign, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord as Amaziah his father did. That should be Second Chronicles 26.4. In the next verse, number two, we're told that he sought God in the days of Zechariah, and Zechariah was a prophet, and it says, this prophet who had understanding in the visions of God. So here we see the relation of uh, King Uzziah to a prophet, Zechariah, and as we mentioned on several previous occasions, God always judged kings on their attitude and their relationship to a prophet who represents the word of God, and also their attitude to the house of the Lord as we're going to see tonight. So they were the two most important things, that every king's life was governed by the prophetic word, and that was his attitude to the word of God, the word of the Lord, because remember, they didn't have a total Bible like we had. They had the book of the law. Different books were still in the process of being written. And so God sent the, the prophets with the word of God, and so their response, their obedience to the word, and also their attitude to the house of the Lord. So as long as Zechariah was alive, we find that... Uh, Uzziah was a good king. He, he had the covering of a prophet, we might say, in the prophetic word. Number three, we're told in this scripture there, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So as long as he sought the Lord, he sought God in the days of Zechariah the prophet, not the Zechariah that's way down the end of the Old Testament prophets, but another Zechariah who had understanding and visions of God, so visions of God and uh, God giving vision and through the prophet uh, giving his word. So number three, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And then in those verses, we're not taking time to read, I do hope you do, uh, God helped him in victory over his enemies. There were a number of uh, natural enemies around the place uh, he had victory over the Philistines, the Arabians, the Ammonites, all representing the seed of the flesh, and we're told that God helped him. All right, so God helped him in victory over the surrounding enemies. And then number five, God blessed him in a lot of agricultural blessings. Uh, he was blessed in husbandry, had a lot of livestock, and uh, was a man that was giving to the whole agricultural industry, industry there. And God blessed, just as he said, he blessed the cattle and the sheep and the goats. He just blessed everything, blessed the land. And uh, so as he's seeking the Lord and responding to the word of God through the prophet, God blessed him. And then number six, we're told that uh, 
Uh, he had a standing army, thousands of men, mighty men, we're told, who helped the king against the enemy, just a standing army. And in fact, the passage that's un, uh, under mentioned there, we find that he actually made engines of war that could, uh, were like um, Shanghai's, that could shoot stones, that could shoot arrows. Uh, over the walls of the uh, cities of the enemies, slings, and uh, he was a very, uh, very brilliant man as far as uh, military might here. And then number seven, we're told, because of all this, and because the Lord gave him victory over his enemies, his name spread abroad. So we have all those excellent qualities on the, on the beginning of his ministry. Now, let's just do our little bit of a timeline. We haven't got exact timeline here, but this is uh, what we see in Uzziah's life. So he's uh, 16 years of uh, age when he took the throne. And uh, danger, in my mind, right there, he's a teenager. And our whole emphasis in this, uh, in this series together, as you know, we're called to be kings and priests. Can we handle the kingdom? God has the kingdom, but as kings and priests, can we handle the kingdom? So here's a man as a teenager, young man, 16 years of age. Uh, he's been given a throne. And so he reigned for 52 years, uh, one of the longest reigning kings, as I said. But something happened down the end of his life here, question mark, just where about. But as long as Zechariah the prophet, as I said, representing the word of the Lord, uh, was there, he responded. So two, two major things always to keep in mind, the word of the Lord. Responding to the word of the Lord, the kings were judged by that. And number two, the house of God. So the word of God and the house of God, their attitude to the temple, temple of the Lord, they're always judged by those two things. And as we saw last week, by me kings reign. So God gave this king uh, here. So 16 years of 52 years would be what? You now add to that, sorry, it would be, how old would he be? 68. That's a good frightening thing for Kevin Connor. My next birthday is 68. I just pray, Lord, say, don't let me go this way. Amen. Everybody pray for me that I don't. Turn over to Second, uh, Second Chronicles here. Second Chronicles. And uh, every king, you know, every king has his distinct and, and, you know, as I've said before, you know, the whole old song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, that bias towards sin, that gravitational pull that's in every one of us if we don't, uh, you know, move in the higher law of the Spirit and really keep humble before the Lord. So Second Chronicles chapter 26, listen to some of these uh, words that we have here. Second Chronicles 26. Now, depending on your translation there, of course, I want you to look at the word help or helped, and it's used several times here. Let's go to, um, oh, well, I sort of need to do that in a moment. Let me, let me just start off with the, uh, the, uh, the other fill-in here, wherever it is. Yes, uh, so let's uh, take up some of these negative traits. So all these were good points there, and it seemed to be only last as long as Zechariah was alive. Okay, now let's uh, take the first two. I want to pick up on the last one, uh, the, uh, or number three here, quite much here. So we, we find that the high places were not removed 
all the kings pretty well had a real battle of these high places uh, not being removed. And then number two, the people sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. So uh, there were so many of them, as we saw last week, sacred places, places of divine visitation became places of idolatry. So right through the land, people had their little groves and their little totem poles and, and, and burned incense and their little candles and all that type of thing. Same as we see today in the whole Roman situation. Their groves and uh, everything like that. So people sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. All right, now let's go to number three. And this is a very, very uh, beginning of a tragic thing here. He was marvelously helped, we're told, until he was strong. I want you to look at Second Chronicles and the use of this word helped. So Second Chronicles 26, we'll pick up in verse 1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king of the room of his father Amaziah. Verse 3, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding of the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. I think that's such an important point there. As long as we seek the Lord, we can have the blessing of the Lord. Once we stop seeking the Lord, and I see it in Waverley from time to time when people get on fire for God and they're hard after God, and then all of a sudden they stop and then things go wrong and they come for counsel and say, oh, everything's gone wrong, you know, well... Where have you been lately? Been praying? No, been too busy? Been reading the Word? No. Been in the house of the Lord? No, I haven't been to meetings for months. You wonder why things go wrong. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So he total dependence on the Lord. Now note the word help, and I'm reading on the old King James uh, column here. Verse 7, and God helped him. He helped him against the Philistines, the Arabians, and so forth. And then in verse 13, uh, King James here, um, 13, is that right? Somebody else, uh, there's another use of the word help. Uh, verse 15, anyway, is it verse 15? Yes, uh, the last part, and his name spread abroad, far abroad, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Marvelously helped till he was strong. And I think there's another reference to the word help. But God helped the man. And we all need the help of God. How many can say amen? You know, God help us. We need the help of God. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. Now we come to one of the most tragic things. And of all the kings that I've studied, this probably is one of the, uh, the, the, the saddest things. Um, let, let me read the verse. And then I want, I want to put on the, on the whiteboard here a progression that I see in this King, and these are a lot of our lessons here. Uh, we'll read verse, um, verse 16. I'm going to read it right through the chapter because this part is particularly loaded here. Uh, but when he was strong, so his name was uh, spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, that would be the high priest, and with him 
84 priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said to him, It appertaineth not, it is not for you, King uh, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, uh, the, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence, yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death and dwelt in an a isolated house, a several house, an isolated house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now let's, let's, let's put on the overhead a, a progression. And this, I don't know how you feel about this. You know, the, These things put a good healthy fear in my heart. And I, I trust they put a good healthy fear in all of our hearts. Can we say amen tonight? All right, now this is the progression that happens is, in this man. I'll give you the rest of your fill in your moment. All right, number one, it begins with pride, okay? He was marvelously helped till he was strong. And when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. So it begins with pride, okay, number one. Now, here's the, it's, this whole thing is like, um, it's like the, uh, like the stone in the water principle. When you throw a stone in the water, there's a ripple effect. Uh, so there's a ripple effect that comes out of pride. I'm going to give you some scriptures on that. Or else, another way, it's like the splitting of at the atom. It's a chain reaction. So number two, the second thing we see now is presumption. Pride always leads to, uh, leads to presumption. How do you spell presumption? Uh, okay, presumption. And I want to give you some scriptures on presumption. And then from presumption, presumption leads to the next step is self-will. I'll explain all this in a moment. So the next here is self-will. So pride to presumption, presumption to self-will. And now from self-will, it leads to wrath because he, was, he just got hopping mad with the priests when they reproved him. When he was doing something, as we'll see what he's doing here. And then the wrath of God or the wrath of man, number five, it ends up in disaster, absolute disaster, because the man was smitten with leprosy in the forehead. And we're going to look at the significance of that. Leprosy in the forehead. Why, why did God do this in the forehead? Okay, they're the things that we want to look at. All right, now let's take our fill in for a moment here. And um, we'll come to... We'll, 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 we'll comment, comment on that. Okay, so number four, when he was strong, he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was, was strong, his heart was lifted up. It begins with pride. Now, let me give you some scriptures on pride. And maybe you could take this statement down. Let's turn over to, first of all, a, a scripture. Uh, we'll begin with a scripture. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. And in Isaiah chapter 14, we have uh, the fall of Lucifer. There is a difference of opinion in commentary. Some say Lucifer is the devil. Others say it's not. I personally follow the school that it is the devil. But if you disagree with me, disagree agreeably. 
Okay? All right, so uh, the fall of Lucifer, Isaiah 14 and verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend uh, above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. We do this in Bible college, but just for those who may not have been, uh, or you're not in Bible college when we handle these things, underline the five I wills, because now Lucifer is lifted up in pride, and out of pride there's going to be the sin of presumption, and presumption leads to self-will. So five times, I will, I will, I will. Let me put this thought here, and as I said, we handle this in Bible college, but uh, not always in uh, church services or anything like that. What I believe way back in the past uh, was this, that uh, when God created the angels, he took, uh, I don't know how else to put this, he took what I call a calculated risk and created all the angels with free will. Maybe just rub some of this out here for the moment. So all the angels were created with free will. And as uh, we say, if they did not have free will, they would be like a bunch of zombies or robots, just machines, mechanical angels. But God took a calculated risk and gave them free will. Now, if you have free will, you have the power of choice. The choice is between at least two things, either God's will or self-will. So now, here is God's will on this horizontal line. And the Bible tells us, using Romans, that, uh, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will is good. He only wants the best for his creation. Can we all say amen to that? So as, when you've got a bunch of angels, then the only way you're going to have harmony in heaven is for all those angels have free wills to submit their free will to God's will. So as long as there is a supreme will, which is a good will and not a despotic, uh, dictatorial type of thing, as long as all the free will of angels were subject to God's will, there, that would equal harmony. Because you can't have harmony in heaven or earth in home unless free wills are subject to somebody's supreme will. Well now somewhere down the line, Lucifer came along and he said, I will, I will, I will, five times, and uh, playing on this word cross. The moment he said, I will, he crossed God's will. Definition of a cross, very simple, but always very profound in my mind. A cross is two thoughts, two ideas crossing each other, contradicting each other, running opposite directions, two pieces of wood at variance. So here we have God's will on the horizontal bar. Moment Satan said, I, 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 who need to see an eye specialist. He crossed God's will, and that's the origin of the cross. All right, so five times he said, I will. So the five I wills of Lucifer, and we see this thing lifted up in pride, the sin of presumption, we'll come back to that in a moment, and the result, self-will. Now what happened when Satan said, I will, he crossed God's will, now all the angels in, in, in heaven are put to the test. 
So Satan runs around, the, or buzzes around the, the angels, the Lucifer said, are you supposed to be free will creations? You're just a slave to God's will. Why don't you exercise your free will? And of course to exercise free will and do your own will, which is self-will, will be Satan's will. Is that right? And so all the angels were put to the test. We assume, there's no scripture for this, we assume a third of the angels fell with Satan. So they exercised free will against God's will, self-will, which free will submitted to God's will is harmony. Self-will, which is Satan's will, brings disharmony. So we have the cross. Now, the same principle happened in earth. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, the devil come along and in effect said the same thing. You're supposed to be free will creations. God said you can eat all the trees, but there's one tree. He doesn't want you to have some knowledge that he's God. Otherwise, you'll be like God. I will be like God. I will, I will, I will, I will. Why don't you exercise your free will and take that tree? And when they exercise free will, contrary to God's will, they exercise self-will, and self-will became a slave to Satan's will. Now, the, the marvelous part about this is when Jesus came, what was the battle that Jesus had? And this is simplistic, but it's true. All the sin in the world comes from the root sin, self-will. That's the root sin. All the sins in the world go back to a root. The root is self-will. And so it was appealed to self-will. So what was Jesus' battle? Father, not my will, but your be done. And here's the beauty about the cross. Did you know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was doing the Father's will. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. And did you know that Jesus received five wounds on the cross of Calvary, doing the will of God, and the five wounds of Jesus on the cross of Calvary doing the will of God is his answer to the five I wills of Satan crossing God's will and doing his own will. So when we come to Jesus, what's the essence? If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. It's not a cross you put on the baptismal tank, though we got it, or a cross you hang around your neck. In fact, you don't hang this cross in your neck, you hang on the cross. Because you see, all of us are eye specialists. I will, I will, I will, I will, you know. Kids, how many got a family? How do you think I know these things? My kids were born with self-will. And it was either their will or my will. Right? So we're all born with this eye specialist. Who, so when Jesus comes into our life, you know what he does? He crosses out our will. And the cross principle is not my will, but thy will be done. That's the principle of the cross. Not a little ornament that ladies or people wear around their neck. That's the principle of the cross. So self-will, and once God deals with self-will in us, he deals with sin. Because the root sin is self-will. Everybody understand what I'm saying here? A little bit of theology here. All right, now, so he said, I will, I will, I will. Now, I want you to go to, oh, oh, well, let's, let me give you some scriptures here. Watch our time as always. All right, let's just follow this uh, progression here. So strong heart, uh, when he was marvelous, he helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up in pride. Pride led to presumption, and presumption led to self-will and everything like that. Put down some of these scriptures on pride. I'll just read them out to you. I've written them out myself here. It's challenging scriptures. Proverbs 8, verse 13. 
Proverbs 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy. And the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Now, this man gets into pride, arrogancy. He tells the priest, listen, I'm king. And you know what his presumption is? Let's put down his presumption before I give you some other scriptures here. The presumption is he's trying to unite in himself two officers, the office of the king and the priest. And you see, those two officers were only united in Melchizedek, who was king-priest. But when God raised up the nation of Israel, as we've touched a little bit on, he gave the priestly, priestly ministry to the tribe of Levi and Aaron, he gave the kingly ministry to the tribe of Judah. And so those two officers were split into two tribes and never to be united only in three people, uh, just because of time I'll say, ultimately, the Lord Jesus Christ. Melchizedek, king, priest. Jesus, king, priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Any king, and we had a couple of them in, in, in the history here, we're only doing one tonight, there was two kings who tried to unite the office of king-priest. It was the sin of presumption, presuming into a ministry that he was not called to do. But see, pride led to that. You know what the Greek word for pride is? Or the, Greek, the, the meaning of the Greek word for pride is? It means to be lifted up in a fog. in a fog and you know when you're lifted up in a fog you can't see straight that's what pride does right? so this man is pride. I'm king I'm the pastor submit or split and they splat there's a little security blanket a lot of ministers use say hey you know no I'm a member of the body Okay. We get these pride levels. So pride, all right, listen to this. Proverbs 11.2, you just put the references down. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. <laughs> Look what happened. Proverbs 11 verse 2. Proverbs 13 verse 10. Oh, lots of warnings in Proverbs. Proverbs 13 verse 10. Only by pride comes contention. And this man gets contentious. He's, he's wrath with the priest. Who do you think? Oh, I'm the king, you bunch of priests. I can burn incense. The other nations have their kings as king priests. Why can't I do it? Oh, pride, fog, presumption. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 18 and 19. Proverbs 16, verse 18 to 19. Prover a pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And this man's going to fall, well and truly. Pride goes before destruction, haughty spirit before fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And one more from Proverbs. Proverbs 29, verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. And that's exactly what happened. Good start. But bad end. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. A man's pride shall bring him low. Daniel 5, verse 20. Daniel 5, verse 20. But when his heart was lifted up, this is referring to uh, Nebuchadnezzar now. When his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne 
and they took his glory from him. Apply it here, you know, when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne. Couldn't handle the throne, did so well at the beginning, but something gets in at uh, 68 years of age. Nobody else 68 here? <laughs> okay, Lord, it looks I'm the only one. Maybe this message is for me. I take it anyway. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. Talking to qualifications of elders, lest being lifted up in pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Lest being lifted up in pride, he fall. See, pride goes before destruction. Holy Spirit before fall. In verse 7 of the same chapter, lest he fall into, the, into reproach and the snare of the devil. So lest he fall, lest being lifted up in pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. And the next verse is lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Now I want you to go over to this one here. I want to give you a couple of scriptures on presumption. All right, so enough warnings on pride, but it all began with pride. I want you to take this statement down. I, I was going to say it before and that slipped my mind. And this, God burned this heart into my heart many years ago. And I pray, pray it'll always stay there. If pride turned an archangel into the devil, what could it do to us? I mean, you know, that's heavy. Lucifer, the archangel, the guardian of the throne of God. So if pride turned an archangel into a devil, what could it do for us? All right. A couple of scriptures on presumption. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 19. Well, wow, our time's almost gone. Psalm 19. <coughs> Psalm 19. And uh, if you have Old King James or even New Translation, you should pick up four words here. Psalm 19. And uh, though... They're interrelated. There is a slight difference, but I want you to pick up on presumption here. Psalm 19 and verse, um, verse 12. Psalm 19, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? So, errors. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. So, number one, errors. Number two, secret faults. Number three, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Number three, presumptuous sins. Here pride leads to a very presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and shall be innocent from the great transgression. May I say the unpardonable sin? Four words, errors, secret faults, presumptuous sins, the great transgression. Go over to 2 Peter quickly. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. And uh, note the uh, progression of the words here. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. Uh, I'll read verse 9 just to lead into the thought here. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. I'd like you to note the next one, two, three, four words here. And apply 
the principle of this verse to what we're looking at here. Uh, they despise government. Now the house of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, was governed by the high priest and the priests. Number two, presumptuous are they. So he gets into the sin of presumption and tries to usurp somebody else's ministry because that never happens in the church today. Presumptuous are they. Number three, self-willed. Oh, so pride led to presumption, presumption led to self-will. How many see the progression here? And then number four, not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And when 84 priests, you know, when a man can't listen to 84 priests and the high priest, this is Isaiah, you're a king. It's not your minister to be a king priest. You're usurping, you're, pre you're presuming into the temple. Lord, go out. This, this, this won't be for you. You've been a good king, but... And so he gets mad. Well, who do you think you guys are? I am king. He was wrath. And here's the frightening thing. While he was wrath, fulfilling those things, despising government, presumption, self-will, not afraid to speak evil dignities, what happened? The leprosy rose in his forehead. Let's take down some lessons here. I want to say something. Try and, try and write as you listen to some lessons here. Why did the leprosy rise up in his forehead? Do you know what the scripture I gave you from Zechariah uh, 14 says? That in the days of Uzziah there was an earthquake. Uh, Josephus tells us this. Very interesting though. Josephus is not an inspired man but just a Jewish historian. This is what he says happened. That the moment uh, the high priest and the, uh, uh, the 84 priests withstood Zach, uh, Uzziah and said, Don't do it, you know. It says there was an earthquake. Now, our Bible tells us about the earthquake and that the earthquake actually shook the temple and the roof opened and the, sun fell, uh, the sunlight fell through that crack in the roof and smote him on the forehead. Now, Zechariah 14 says about the earthquake in the days of Uzziah when they fled from it and it smote him on the forehead. Now, What's the forehead the seat of? Now, I want you to think of the contrast in our time is really shot. What did the high priest have on his forehead? The high priest had a golden mitre and inscribed upon the golden mitre on his forehead was holiness to the Lord. Now, here a guy, no holiness to the Lord because the pride is to be lifted up in the fog. Intellectual pride Presumption, self-will, disaster, and leprosy. Uh, holiness unto the Lord in the forehead. What a contrast. And uh, in, the, in the book of Revelation, the 144,000 are sealed with the name of God. Where? In the forehead. Where do, do people, as we've been hearing about over this special weekend, receive the mark of the beast? The hand of the forehead. Why? The forehead, listen, is the symbol of our mind, our intelligence, our reason, our thoughts, our imaginations. And sin entered through the mind. So here this guy's lifted up and God just zapped him in the forehead. I mean, you know, how would you feel? How would I feel? You know, he's the high priest with holiness unto the Lord on his forehead, on his mind. And here's the king with leprosy. And uh, so he's put out. 
Well, uh, put down a couple of scriptures here. We haven't got time to turn to them. Uh, Revelation chapter 14, verse 9. The mark of the beast in the forehead. Revelation 14, verse 9. Revelation 17, verse 5. Revelation 17, verse 5. The harlot church has a name written in her forehead. Mystery Babylon the Great. All right, take down these warnings quickly. Can I sneak two minutes? I ask you a question. Thank you. Okay, practical lessons to learn. Number one, we can begin well, but end in disaster if you do not continually seek the Lord. I try, by God's grace, to seek the Lord every day, first thing in the morning, my time of prayer. Lord, I'm seeking you. I just want to commit my day unto you. Give me wisdom. Give me guidance. Help me this day to please you. And everything I do, I say, just help me. Day by day, I try to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Because I know what happens when we don't seek the Lord. So, we can begin well, but end in disaster. We don't continually seek the Lord. Number two, we need to stay within the limits of the word for your own ministry. Now, my ministry is basically a teacher. I don't try to usurp other people's ministries. I try to be God once. I try to be everything to everybody once. But I can't. I, once I found my ministry in the body, I don't presume and try to be other people's ministries. So I see that happens in the church sometimes. People presuming, trying to do and be what they're not called to be. It's really presumption. So don't... We need to stay within the limits of the word for our ministry. Number three, we need to have the covering... The governing word of God over our lives, as we said, every king was judged by the word of God and by his attitude to the house of the Lord. The tragedy is, Uzziah now is driven away from the house of the Lord and he's a leper till the day of his death. Number four, be warned against pride. Pride leads to presumption, which leads to self-will, which leads to a fall. Pride goes before destruction. And this statement is really from... um, Herbert Lockyer, number five, punishment for pride is a principle from which God never departs. Herbert Lockyer. Pride is a, a punishment for pride is a principle from which God never departs. All right, now our last couple of thoughts, so there's much more could be said here. In the passage, we started off with Uzziah now and Isaiah. Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Now what a comfort that was to Isaiah because Isaiah was also a prophet in Uzziah's time and as he realized he is a godly king, Uzziah, on the throne but he's smitten with leprosy. What are we going to do for a king? And the Lord says, hey, here's the vision. There's a king upon the throne in heaven, the Lord. And you know what happened? You know what a leper was to do? If you go back to the laws of leprosy, every person who was uh, smitten with leprosy, they had to put a covering on their lips and they had to go through the land saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. And anybody who heard that cry, there's a leper, don't go near him. Isaiah says, oh God, mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I've got a revelation of his holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord unclean. I have unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He felt he was a leper. And the Lord said, okay, Isaiah, here's a call from off the altar. That altar that Uzziah tried to presume to, 
his, uh, and I'll touch your lips. And then after he was cleansed came commission. Who will go for us? The Godhead speaking. And after Isaiah's cleansed, he said, here am I, send me. How many are glad there's a king on the throne? And though earthly kings and leaders may bomb out, he never will. Let's keep our eyes on him. How many receive those lessons tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you once again for the many, many lessons that we receive from the lives of these men of old. And we just remind ourselves, Lord, that you told us that all these things happen under them for types and examples and written for our admonition. And Lord, we just together uh, receive admonition from this king's life. Help us, Lord, write upon our heart deeply the spirit of humility, Lord, that we'll not be lifted up in pride and presumption and self-will. Get angry, Lord, but uh, we'll be humble of a humble spirit. Seal your word in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' precious name, and let your presence be with us and your blessing until we gather again on the weekend. We ask in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you on the weekend. For more in-depth teaching on Israel's kings, be sure to see Kevin Connor's book, Kings of the Kingdom, available from word.com.au, from amazon.com, and also in PDF format on Kevin's website, kevinconnor.org.